Hello. Welcome to Happy Tears. Bonus episode! I'm Brandon. And I'm Nick, and this is a special bonus episode of Happy Tears, a podcast where two sensitive boys talk about the art that they love so much so that it often brings them to tears. Today, we are doing the second of three 2019 recap episodes. Right before the new year hit, we released our top music of 2019. Uh, Today, we will be doing our top television programs and other, uh, like, etc. You know, like, anything that's not music and movies, because movies is coming. uh, That's going to be our third installment in a couple of weeks. Uh, So, yeah. Uh, How you feel, man? feel good, man. I think we can uh, start with our top five TV series of the year and then move on from there. Excellent. Flip a coin. Heads. (laughs) (laughs) I can go. Cool, Nick. What's your number five? My number five television program of 2019. Uh, This was a show that is on the streaming platform called Hulu. Who knew? You know who knew? Hulu. Hulu. (laughs) Hulu who knew. My number five is a show called Rami. Nice. So this is a show created by comedian Rami Youssef. He is the son of Egyptian immigrants and is on a... Immigrants? Immigrants. I'll just read the the IMDb summary very quickly. Rami, the son of Egyptian immigrants, is on a spiritually conflicting journey in his New Jersey neighborhood, pulled between his Muslim community that thinks life is a constant test, his millennial friends who think that life is full of endless possibilities, and a god who's always watching. Um, What I really liked about Rami is it is the depiction of a millennial... A guy that's around my age that is pretty deeply religious and it explores being a Muslim in in a way that popular culture hasn't really like I I, I don't know a lot about you know the Islamic community so it, it was interesting especially as somebody that believes in just about nothing <laughs> that uh, to watch a guy explore the Muslim faith and compare it to contemporary millennial problems he's still on tinder he's still dating he's still you know like kind of getting laid and and (laughs) uh just doing stuff that that you and i do on a daily basis but it is put through this lens of a faith that is pretty rigorous in its in its uh ideology yeah and so uh it was a you know a big learning thing for me but it's also hilarious i was really (laughs) this is petty but i was kind of bummed when he won a golden globe because I thought this was going to be my cool dark horse indie <laughs> pick, and uh, obviously, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not the only one who likes it. But it's really great, and so I really love the the situational comedy of it. My favorite episode is an episode called Strawberries, and it starts with a young Rami in the early 2000s. He's like 11, maybe 12, and it's it's boys walking to school discussing masturbation, and like none of them really know what they're talking about, but they're all acting like they do. The actual episode starts with Rami like in a chat room with a bunch of adults, and it's really creepy and weird, but it's very accurate to like early 2000s AOL internet <laughs> surfing, right? Yeah, when yeah. you're like becoming curious about sex, and like you kind of have access to the internet because it's this like lawless. <laughs> Right. You know, swamp of <laughs> of 
craziness. So the show ends up with Rami being inspired to go to the bathroom and masturbate for the first time at school, right, in the stall. He's, like, still full of conflict and in this crazy uh, headspace as, like, you know, a preteen. Yeah. Ends up not being able to completely do it. <laughs> he comes back from the bathroom and 9-11 has happened. Jeez. So <laughs> it's it's just this crit like and and they've got the news on in the yeah. classroom in a way that I yeah I was eleven when when nine eleven happened and yeah. that's I remember my sixth grade science class first thing in the morning we had the news up and so it's just this crazy situation of youth and understanding sexuality and masturbating and then it takes this huge left turn into nine <laughs> eleven happens and. His Egyptian family starts, you know, like his friends later in the episode ask him, hey, are you a terrorist? Like, if you are, you have to tell us. Like, yeah. it's, it's just like this crazy, uh, cra- uh, I don't know, crazy confluence of, of two different storylines that I think is just so hilarious putting those two together. Another, f- you know, filmmaker and show creator that it reminds me of in some ways, it's not entirely fair, but Aziz mm-hmm. has Muslim parents and there's a lot about the Muslim faith in that show. But I think what's so great about this is the main character is actually trying to live a, a, a good life through the, the thing, the the vantage point of his faith. Right. So he's like trying not to have sex, but he's struggling at it. Yeah. He, you know, he's, uh, he doesn't drink alcohol, but all of his, you know, some of his friends do that aren't Muslim. And just like, just getting to know a bunch of, some of these characters are just crazy and fun and funny. So really funny very heartfelt and really just an interesting unique voice in television right now so yeah and, and did he have a um he has a an hbo special too right yeah it came out special. fairly recently i've watched some of it i haven't finished it but he's he's really funny man and he's yeah. he's uh, i think he's a relatively young guy i'm not he's a young guy around my age and and i think his show's interesting so my number five is hulu's rami what about you my friend so I'm going to give a quick, uh, well, so I have a tie for this one. Oh. And and it's just because I forgot about one thing and had to <laughs> tie it back in. So I don't have much to say about the other, but we've already talked about it quite a bit. So listeners can go back and listen to our Undone episode. I knew it. <laughs> I forgot about Undone also and didn't think to make a tie so i just put it in my honorable mentions but <laughs> this morning i thought about it that's so funny yes, yeah well that's, good we can both just, just cool yeah we, yeah we've already talked about it yeah. but obviously we both we both liked it a lot and so that is one of the ones tied for number five and the other is catastrophe and so on wikipedia it says that it is a british television sitcom uh that stars sharon horgan and, and Rob Delaney, who portrays single people who became a couple after she unexpectedly becomes pregnant uh, following a fling while he is visiting London on a business trip. Carrie Fisher is also in this. Oh, my love. (laughs) So you need to watch it. I do. (laughs) But uh, it's the fourth season of this show. And And final season, right? Correct. Or for now. but, But it was, I mean, it definitely can be an ending. And I don't know if they'll revisit these characters or anything, but... It was a delightful show. There's a lot of, um, I thought it was a hopeful ending for a show that kind of carried on and um, definitely had moments where hope was not really in in sight or you thought, um, even just between the two characters, not even talking about the, you know, the pregnancy, like they each 
Uh, it did a great job of showing how they each dealt with their their own issues, but also their issues together, and then adding uh, the <laughs> you know a kid into the the mix as well. So it's like um, and just you know personal goals and aspirations and all of those things that come into uh, just being a parent and 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 a relationship that they they balanced really well, but also it was very very funny TV show, um, and the way that they balanced that with the thoughtful character development and how the show dealt with grief and um, just had quite a few happy tears specifically in the last episode and yeah it's a short it's six episode season and definitely worth your time the, the, the seasons aren't aren't very long so you can get through four decently quickly but um i i love these two main leads and i think you will too yeah it's on my list i gotta check it out and your endorsement means the world Give me that numero four. My number four, I imagine this is probably somewhere on your list also, uh, but my number four is HBO's Chernobyl. Mm. So I think I think a lot of people watch this, so I'm not going to give an extensive intro, but it's a uh, real-life reenactment of the Chernobyl nuclear meltdown of, of a nuclear power plant in, in Russia in the 1980s, starring, I guess... Jared Harris and the and Stellan Skarsgård start Skarsgård. You struggled with that earlier too. It's because of the first name and the second. If, if I just said Skarsgård, it's fine. But right? It's, yeah. You want to say Starsgard. Stars. That's right. Because <laughs> Stellan, you want to be alliterative. Uh, this this show is just so gripping. It felt like you know it's five installments that are. Like, are they an hour long each or are they even longer? They might they be. They might be longer, yeah. So it's almost like watching five movies, but it feels so perfectly like if you just watch them all back to back, it is, it's like a, just a really long movie. Mm-hmm. It was just so powerfully told. The, and, and the story is all about when they won the Golden Globe for best drama or whatever. Jared Harris said that the story is about the, the price of, of lies, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it is both timeless and so timely in in our political you know times and uh the the special effects were incredible and it's just such a horrible story and i knew very little about it and uh i'm glad it exists is chernobyl on your list so yeah it is on my list at number two but i'll go ahead and talk about it now do it i do think did i agree with everything you said i thought this was the most cinematic piece of television it came out this year and it was super immersive and super tense. That technically it did everything really well from acting to cinematography. Um, it just felt, it was just an intense, uh. yeah. And you really felt the effects of, of, uh, of what happened. So I thought it was just really well produced and, and, and uh, a great miniseries. So it's so heavy. It's, it's high up there. Um, on to my number four. Yes. Which is another HBO show, Barry. Oh, Barry. <laughs> Barry, so I should, I'll, I'll throw it in my honorable mentions. Okay. Barry's an honorable mention for me. <laughs> I love Barry so much. So if you haven't seen Barry, here's a little uh, something something. It says, disillusioned at the thought of taking down another mark, depressed low-level hitman Barry Berkman seeks a way out. When the Midwesterner re- reluctantly travels to Los Angeles to execute a hit on an actor who is betting a mobster's wife, 
Little does Barry know that the City of Angels may be his sanctuary. He follows his target into acting class and ends up instantly drawn to the community of the eager hopefuls, especially dedicated student Sally, who becomes uh, the object of his affection. The way that this show balances all of those elements is just uh, pretty amazing, and that's, I mean, a lot of that is Bill Hader's brilliance. He's so great. Um, but he they've created such a complex character and the surrounding characters are amazing and hilarious in this show but yeah some of it has to do i mean i know a lot of people love this show but some of the acting class moments are just really funny like i in college i had just took for fun really some some acting classes that were actually super impactful um and i i love the professors that i had but i guess i connected with a little like some of those parts of like feeling like an outcast in an acting class or like oh for sure um because i was you know not really a part of that community who had been uh doing this since a young age and all this stuff and so like um i definitely was was welcomed and and felt very much a part of the the family but also like even just in terms of feeling just like less than like capable of um when there's a lot of talented people around those parts were yeah they connected there but also the just the funny moments of the act that seemed like ridiculous the ridiculousness of some of the exercises and things in acting class like right i was able to like oh yeah i remember how i felt in that moment and all of those things so that those were really fun for me so outside of a personal level though i think this show is is brilliant and i think there's um, I mean, it's still it's still ongoing, and so I hope it continues to be that way. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the uh, just the premise of Hitman Assassin decides he wants to take acting classes. Yeah. So it's you know a so essentially a sociopath that has to be disconnected for his job. Completely flips the script and does the most vulnerable and yes. uh, an empathetic job possible. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just. Great. I love yeah. it. And and like you said, the execution, Bill Hader being a genius, Stephen Root's really great. I don't even know the actor's name that plays the, the Russian guy without the eyebrows. Oh, he's um what's his name? He's he's so fantastic though. He's so funny. <laughs> and the sporting cast, all the all the wannabe actors. Noho Hank is his his character's name, but I I'm forgetting the actor's name yeah. anyways. It's yeah, I, I can't believe well no I, I only because I thought this season was good, but I think the first season is still my favorite of Barry. I, th- I might agree with that. And that's probably why some of these other picks I have are higher on my list for this year. But I, I do think Barry's one of the best shows on TV and yeah, a great pick. Yeah, perfect. So that goes to my number three. Number three. My number three is season three of Netflix's Glow. Well, that turns out well because... That was my honorable mention. <laughs> if Barry will be your honorable mention, mine will be Glow. Perfect. And I have a couple other honorable mentions, but this is I like the synergy we have going. <laughs> Me too. Uh, so Glow is a show that I have been basically watching since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a huge fan of Mark Marin, which was the original draw for me, but I also love Alison Brie. And have grown to love pretty much the entire cast. You yeah. know, it's quite an ensemble that they've put together for this show. I think that the newest season may be their best. Mm-hmm. And I really love the first season. I think season two is pretty good. But what's great, especially with ensemble shows, the further you get down 
you know, as the seasons pile up, you just get more depth in all of the character relationships. Right. And because it is an ensemble show, sometimes it takes time to really develop those relationships. And so um, we've hit, I think, the sweet spot where we've got history with all these characters. They're starting to enjoy a little bit of success. Mm-hmm. We know all of their deepest desires and, and they're some of them are closer than others. Yeah. And uh, I think it's Mark Maron's best season as uh, Sam Sylvia. And uh, any show that gives me a wrestling version of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens <laughs> is a winner in my book. A winner in mine as well. That was so funny. Um, yeah, I do think the show has gotten has gotten better, and I think it was my it's been my favorite favorite season of the show. They just really feel like a family now, mm-hmm. and and the deeper that those relationships get, the more. The more impactful the the conflicts become. Exactly right? what I was going to say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, love the show. Uh, I've got a couple of happy tears moments. At least one that I'll that I'll highlight when we when we get to happy tears. But uh, and I've talked about it before on the show, I think too. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Glow season three is my number three. Perfect. My number three is uh, a show season two of a show called Fleabag. Excellent. That's my number two. <laughs> Where the synergy continues. I didn't know that you had uh, caught up with this. I didn't want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> tell me everything. Uh, so here's a description of Fleabag. A uh, dry-witted woman known only as Fleabag has no filter as she navigates life and love in London while trying to cope with tragedy. The angry, grief-riddled woman tries to heal while rejecting anyone who tries to help her, but Fleabag continues to keep up her bravado through it all. And this is starring Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and it's based on her uh, 2013 one-woman show of the same name. Yep. So this is an interesting one for me because season one, I didn't love. Oh, really? Really. I was all in from the moment she started talking about Yeah, I thought, I, <laughs> I was like, why? Well, because I... I think this is why is because I felt like it it hung too much on those like kind of outlandish uh, beats. Okay. Maybe not outlandish, but like it hung on its like sexual humor and it's uh, the specific technique of the breaking the fourth wall technique, which yeah. I thought was great at first. And I got a little tiresome as I didn't think it added much as we went on in the first season, although she's great at it. I don't know. I, she, she, I think a lot of it was it was hard to like her too much from uh, from my point of view, I guess. And, yeah. main, and that's mainly just because, like, uh, the way she treated some people, while I recognize that she's going through uh, several kinds of grieving, right? Um, it was just harder for me to, like, understand what the hype was about, I guess. And maybe that's a little bit of it going into it is, like, I keep seeing this is, like, the greatest show ever. And then I'm, like trying hard to like the character and just was having a hard time doing that while I thought the writing was funny and all that but I feel like the second season grounded it quite a bit and I also feel like the second season wouldn't be as impactful if you didn't understand her character in the first season so it's like you know I look at the first season a little more fondly but I just kept on feeling like everything crazy was happening to her and the second season just felt more natural to me I'm sure that's how she felt in the first season as where the second season might have been like hurt a little bit of a turning point for her. I don't know. Anyways, 
I thought the stuff with the priest is hilarious and actually just like really the moments of humanity and uh, the second season and just dealing with a, a priest who has, you know, this predicament <laughs> and all these things. Uh, it juggles all of those things really well. And great premise. Love the first episode. Love the last episode. Thought she was fantastic. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was fantastic. And I think that her they change up the they add a new dimension to the fourth wall breaking situation mm-hmm. which i think was really well executed and through the whole time it, it added a new flair where i thought it worked really well the whole second season yeah um i would add that i think the supporting cast is phenomenal in the amazing show. yeah um the sister like olivia coleman olivia is so Coleman's good so great the dad is subtly really oh yeah I mean, like he he seems just kind of like a neutral, mm-hmm. just a nice old man at the beginning, but he you know he's kind of flippant and and distant. But you know as it progresses, you you they kind of peel back the layers very slowly, and mm-hmm. uh, th- there's no character in this show that feels uh, um, they all feel very necessary. Absolutely, you know, uh, um, all the way down to the super asshole the brother-in-law. Breath, yeah, yeah. I agree with everything you said. Uh, you know, I watched both of these seasons back to back and binged binged it all in like two or three days. Mm-hmm. So I I did I think I did myself a little disservice in that it all kind of bleeds together, and I don't remember specific episodes as well as as I maybe would have had I yeah. parsed it out. Um, but yeah, I just think that uh, the wit is is you know in abundance, <laughs> and uh, the the emotional heft of it of of the grief that she's carrying and the confusion about who she is and who she wants to be and, and yeah, how to I, deal with with trauma is I do think yeah huge. I think it offers a, a nice perspective on like how people grieve and deal with trauma differently and how uh we react after those situations and even um it it makes people I don't know I was always I was always struck with like I had a professor who harped on that when we were going um, it was actually studying abroad and we were going to like, uh, we were in Germany and doing a concentration camp, like day, like visit. And, and, and so like, I, I just always remember him saying, like making that point of like whoever's around, like people react differently to, um, things that might be difficult. Yeah. Like some people will kind of shy away and maybe try to not let themselves go there or all these things and just be like um cognizant of that and and aware that other people might have a really tough day and if anything you know if there's any personal connections and it's just like being aware that people take things differently and that kind of stuff but anyways i thought that it was a another good like example of of showing that on the screen of like someone grieves in a different way than you expect them to maybe or um takes that out on uh, other people and it, it takes her a while to develop some sort of like coping mechanism I guess or what I don't know yeah the kind of trope or the 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 character of the likable asshole has been a long-running yeah person in movie and TV movies and TV but uh something really did feel different about her maybe it was maybe because the breaking of the fourth wall and how we felt like we had a personal relationship with her mm-hmm and we saw the moments when she was really trying to she was just trying right she was yeah. trying to turn over a new leaf or be the bigger person or do you know this or that um it just it just seemed like 
a f- slightly fresher take on an old trope. Yeah. And and I really loved every moment of it. Sweet. So take that. Now on to number ones because that was your number two. Or yeah. Have you done? Yeah. We're we're both done our our number twos. So that works. Nice. Yeah. My number two is Chernobyl, as I said. So yeah. on to number one, which, which is, is Watchmen. Watchmen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. So we <laughs> we definitely didn't discuss this beforehand, so <laughs> glad it worked out like that. Yeah. Um <laughs> what you got? <laughs> well, we already discussed this on on uh, another episode, so we don't have to get too much into the weeds here. Sure. But you know, I was thinking about this during our Star Wars discussion of like when you're talking about bringing old characters in um but still allowing the new characters to have some sort of motivation and us connect with them. And um, I absolutely think this was done in a much better way. Sure. uh, To where you have some of those, you still have old characters in the series, but it feels like uh, a different world, but still makes those connections make sense. And it allows you to care for for the new characters without like tying them just to um, or without having too many moments that are just seem like fanfare kind of right that stuff. completely hinge upon the history with the old characters. Correct. Yeah. I, I totally or even agree. just the history of the old work, like the you know, because this is set years later. But right. Um, yeah. I don't. The writing was incredible. I think it's just had the best you know three episode spread of any television show all year. Uh, just incredible. The specifically we talked about this, but specifically the the. Uh, more character focused episodes I thought were just brilliantly done yeah and revealed uh, so much in a in a really compelling way and just a perfect blend of everything I want when I'm when I'm watching a TV show to be you know the entertainment factor the excitement factor the the week to week what's next you know suspenseful feeling and then uh, I, I invested the most in this show this year for sure just in terms of like reading week to week trying to find the easter eggs all of that so and it was a huge task and i think he did a really great job with it yeah damon lindelof and the rest of the crew obviously. yeah um the writers and 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 everyone involved i think you said that chernobyl is maybe the most cinematic of of all shows which i probably agree with but this is i think right on the on the tails absolutely i think it's really beautifully shot Mm -hmm. and executed on a technical level pretty much in every way Mm -hmm. is is wonderful we talked about this on the episode but i think the uh the bold decision of taking a superhero story from the 80s that's more about power structures and and what it means to be a superhero and, and whether or not superheroes are a good force in the world mm-hmm. and taking taking the characters from that story and telling a story about race and the black experience in America going back hundreds of years was a was an incredibly bold choice and I learned a lot I think about about our history mm-hmm. you know when we talk about the Tulsa Oklahoma massacre mm-hmm. and I think that you know, in a in a time where we need more stories from more different voices, this is a great one in terms of of telling a story completely different from any other superhero story yeah. we've ever seen. Um, yeah, I agree. And so we also just learned that they have, uh, you know, HBO has declined doing a second season because we, uh, yeah, 
because of uh, Damon's. Um, if he, yeah, if he's not on board, so that's interesting. Yeah, and I'm totally fine with this being a standalone thing. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely. I, it, it's it's you know, for me, there. You know, if I can try to distill down all the things I like about it, you've got the kind of social political message of it that I think is important. Um, I think the connection to the old characters and the universe that was already created was done in such a smart way. And just the entertainment factor of it, of, of especially like you cited those specific episodes where you get one, um, you get one episode just with um, looking glass and you get one episode just with Lori Blake and you get, you know, a couple more with other key characters. Right. I, I don't know why I'm skirting around spoilers, but <laughs> it, it's just great. I, yeah, I, it's, I think maybe the most important television that was made this year from a social kind of political messaging s- statement. But, but aside from that, it's just really smart and really entertaining. I'm with you. Swish. Swish. Honorable mentions. I've already done, uh, mine in glow and you've done one in Barry. What are, what are some more? Yeah. Um, couple ones I loved, uh, I think undone, which you, snuck in with a with a tie at number five right was was really great you can check out our episode on that from earlier or from last year i think you should leave with tim robinson did you watch any of that (laughs) i did yeah on netflix i just didn't finish it as i didn't put on here but some hilarious moments yeah every comedian and improviser that i know thinks this is the funniest show on the planet yeah it's very hit and miss for me but some of the sketches are just really funny yeah and i don't watch a ton of I mean, I guess I watch SNL, but like I don't seek out a ton of sketch comedy. Although I love Chappelle's show and mm-hmm. other stuff, but uh, I don't know. Really funny show, worth mentioning. Um, I think Stranger Things was pretty good this year. I liked this season more than the second season. Mm-hmm. The tough thing about Stranger Things with me is is it's such a big release that I feel like I binge it too fast and it doesn't stick with me. Yeah. But I did enjoy it this year. Barry is one. And then the last one I'll mention is a comedy special from my favorite comedian. His name's Mike Birbiglia, and he put out a Netflix special called The New One this year, which he uh, performed on Broadway for a while and toured for a while. I saw it live here in Dallas. And it's all about him not wanting to be a dad, and then he became a dad. <laughs> and it's really great. I watched it last night. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Not for the first time, oh, okay. but but Yeah. Yeah, I love that one as well. And I, I didn't see his last time through, but the time before that, um, I caught him. Yeah, if you like storytelling, he's your comedian. He's the guy. I don't have any more honorable mentions, but I do want to go over some critical blind spots. Some definitely sure. ones that I missed and I, I think might have been able to make it on this list. The last season of Mr. Robot, which was a show that I absolutely loved season one of same i think it's one of the best seasons of television maybe ever created I think <laughs> and, it's so good yeah and uh like season two all right and i kind of just fell off in the third season and i'm not sure if it was content based or if i just was into other stuff and um just because occasionally that happens with some tv shows because they are ongoing but i, I really want to catch up on that sure um same and then Succession, which is an HBO show that I've heard quite a bit about. I just have not been able to get to yet. Same. Big blind spot for me. Uh, Dark Crystal, which was a Netflix release. Right. And um, looked like a really cool adventure type tale that I just, um, we even thought about covering it, but yeah. never got to it. Yeah, we suck. Um, I'm sure I'll watch it and mention it on here again. Yeah. And then Lodge 49, 
which um, my buddy Aaron has, you know, been requesting me to watch. <laughs> I've been uh, nudging me, and I've just seen a lot about. And it's an AMC show. I believe the second season was the one that came out this year, but we don't know if there's going to be, a, you know, if it will be renewed for a third. But it has gotten... It's been kind of one of those shows, which I know I've talked about Halt and Catch Fire on here before, Yep. but it's a similar kind of situation, I believe, which a show that's uh, on AMC that's kind of fallen under the radar, but seems to be kind of like a darling to a lot of people that, that watch it. So i really, really looking forward to catching up on that. That is a, on Hulu. Yeah, a um, couple other blind spots for me. I never saw Russian Doll. I know you did mm-hmm. and weren't huge on it, but I know it had a lot of buzz when it came out. Yes. Um, I still, I, I like it. All right, I just, yeah, I don't like, think it's top five. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of good things about Pose. That, yeah, uh, yeah, like, it looks uh, great too. It's like a drag mm-hmm. kind of show. I don't know much about it, but um, definitely a blind spot for me. And I don't know if there was a season of it this year, but I've always... I've been meaning to watch Big Little Lies for a long time. Um, you know, it's won a bunch of awards and has an incredible ca- uh, cast. cast so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are some of my big blind spots. One other honorable mention I want to sneak in just because I think it's one of the better comedies out there is The Good Place. I think it's great, and it's about to wrap up forever, and it was a pretty solid... As far as network comedies go, it did a really good job, so go Good Place. <laughs> Do you have any notable happy tears that you'd like to discuss you know it's tough because i should have been recording these (laughs) no and uh i will do my do a better job i mean hundreds of hours of tv watched a year you know it's just like it's it's hard to especially when we started this podcast late in last year like in the middle of last year so it's like Mm -hmm. if i had known better i would have just been keeping notes on everything i watched all the time right i will say there are a couple of moments yeah, I think moments throughout the season two of Fleabag that I that come to mind, specifically between uh, her and the priest, mm-hmm. and even her and her sister. That relationship I think has been really skillfully navigated through the first two seasons, and um, yeah, I, I just think that both of yeah both of those, and then there's some moments where she has um, some flashbacks to her her friend and stuff that, that hit really hard yeah, as well. Yeah, so. absolutely. I wish, I, I like I said, it kind of all bleeds together for me, but, uh, and I wish I could pinpoint, pinpoint certain, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm, yeah. Definitely, there were many moments in that that were, that were deeply felt, for sure. If I had to do a happy moment, uh, or just like an honorable mention of like one of the best scenes mm-hmm. of TV this year, I think the hair is everything scene from, from, I don't remember what episode. Oh yeah, was hilarious. Yeah, when she so confronts good. the hairdresser and she's like, "It's just hair. <laughs> yeah. Hair isn't everything." Wow. What? Hair is everything. We wish it wasn't, so we could actually think about something else occasionally. But it is. It's the difference between a good day and a bad day. We're meant to think that it's a symbol of power, that it's a symbol of fertility. Some people are exploited for it, and it pays your fucking bills. Hair is everything. Anthony. There's a whole. Oh, it's about yeah, it. fantastic. Hilarious. Um, I think I'm gonna bounce. I'm gonna let you do your glow one because I think you I'm gonna remember it. <laughs> um, season three, I believe it's episode six. I guess if I was a smart boy, I could look it up. But it is an episode where the girls go uh, like camping. Season, uh, episode six, titled "Outward Bound." That's correct. 
a camping trip in the desert canyons outside Vegas spirals into a night of bitter showdowns, soul-searching, and bombshell revelations. So there's a conflict between two characters. One is Jenny, and she is Chinese, and one is Jackie, and she is Jewish. And the Her character's name is Melanie, right? Yes, you're right. So it's Melanie and Jenny are the character names. Conflict is actually all centered around like race and culture. Somewhere earlier in the episode, a uh, pretty racist uh, Chinese caricature was done by a non-Chinese actor uh, or character, and someone gets offended. And later, they they have a really emotional like screaming match in front of everyone about where their families come from and how hard it's been for them. Um, and you kind of get both sides of the Chinese-American, her parents came here from another country and it's been difficult, and then somebody who's Jewish and, uh, you know, obviously a huge history of persecution. Yeah. And it was a really um, thoughtful or... thoughtful depiction of a conflict centered around race and culture that was outside of kind of a traditional black-white uh, dynamic that we're where we see a lot of on the screen on yeah. the screen and so um the way it was performed was incredible and you really felt the emotion of it and um i cried a lot and i it's probably my number one happy tear of the year from tv i had a couple more with like the show undone but i don't remember specific moments and so that's my big one yeah i'd have to go back and watch i know there are specific scenes and then i have my biggest happy tears of the year and television weren't from shows released in 2019, so we can talk about those sure. later. But let's talk about some of our favorite performances of the year. I think first and foremost, in my mind, it is Phoebe Waller-Bridge in uh, Fleabag, especially when you consider that she is the creator, the writer, mm-hmm. the actor. Um, she does such a great job. Are you thinking of specific moments, or are you thinking just no, general? No, I'm, I'm yeah, just general. Because there's a couple on here that I that didn't you know weren't on my favorite show list but i thought were definitely amazing yeah what you got uh so mahershala ali and true detective oh yeah uh and steven dorf i thought they both were incredible sure um he's you know they're playing different characters at different ages and i thought they did a really good job in their um just a really believable job in their physicality and all of that and uh mahershala is an incredible actor so both of those guys are i just i I thought that that was those were amazing performances, and I thought True Detective was pretty good. It just doesn't live up to that first season, which yeah. is tough. I don't think it ever will. I, no, I, I, I don't like, know if they're going to make a fourth, but right. like it's just so good. Season one, so. yeah. Uh, and then Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård uh, from Chernobyl, I think, are uh, both worth mentioning here. Um, I really thought Alfie Allen's performance in Game of Thrones was worth mentioning. Um, As Reek or Theon Theon Greyjoy. Yeah. Right. Uh, I thought he had some incredible emotional moments and had his, I don't know, his arc kind of wrapped up in a way that I thought was maybe one of the better highlights of this season that I don't want to talk about. (laughs) Well, I'll talk about it for a minute. Uh, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Of course you will. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone agrees, for, for the most part, that Game of Thrones was a letdown in terms of the way they wrapped up the final season. However, I think the actors did the best they could with the material. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I think that between Kit Harington, Amelia Clark, all of the people that played a Stark, right. <laughs> you know, uh, I think across the board, the acting stayed 
incredible throughout Game of Thrones. It's really, everyone agrees, I think, it's the writing that really, really took a nosedive. Yeah, it's All of the other technical elements from the acting to the the filmmaking was was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so they definitely deserve a tip of the cap. Absolutely. But he was a character that had kind of uh, faded away because of what happened to him. And to see him come back and um, have that sort of redemption arc, I, I really thought was powerful. And I think he did a really great job. I mean, even just like his eyes, his, mm. just the performance just of his eyes, um, really good. And then, yeah, I just had Phoebe on here and Bill Bill Hader as well. Yeah, solid choices all around. Well, on to other, et cetera. I have a, my favorite read of 2019 oh, was yeah. was Go Ahead in the Rain, Notes to a Tribe Called Quest. Uh, it was my, well, my favorite one that was released in 2019. I've talked about it on here enough, but I just, I love it. I love the writing. I know we're going to read his book that he released previous to that, which is called They Can't Kill Us Till They Kill Us. Mm-hmm. And Nick has already started it. I'm in the middle of it. It's good. I really love his perspective. His writing style, I think, is super accessible, but also um, he's in a really great music and social critic. So it's just, um, it was really fun to read. And another book that I had a ton of fun reading was Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Amazing yeah. Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Totally. Uh, which obviously was not released last year, but um, that was the other reading experience I wanted to highlight. We covered that on the podcast as well. I just had a hard time, like, reading other books this year. I was wanting to feel the same way about the characters that I did in reading that book and feel the kind of fun energy, but also be impacted by the the heavy emotional moments and nothing else really. I just found myself wanting to return to those characters a little bit. Yeah. But I also, uh, some honorable mentions in terms of 2019 releases were uh, Nickel Boys and the, I didn't quite finish Exhalation, but the stories I read, I, I will give that an honorable mention. Yeah, there's, in Exhalation specifically, you know, when we reviewed it on the podcast, we only did the first two stories, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think there's nine total. And I think, I liked all of them. I think there are a couple very specific ones. I think it's like number seven. I like if I could recommend anyone, I'll find the page number and be like, <laughs> check out this. That's it. This yeah. one because there there's one or two that were really really impactful for me. And exhalation, yeah, was a was a big one for me for sure. Cool. I know you had talked about mentioning some uh, some games. Yeah, I mean, I played the only big game I played that came out in the last year was called. Uh, Star Wars, it's I think it's like Jedi: The Fallen Order, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, Star Wars story told in between, like Episode Three and Episode Four of the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was it was you know you're a young Jedi, pretty much the last of your kind because you've been they've been hunted to extinction and uh, you're trying to find a way to rebuild. The Jedi Order, and yeah, uh, it was a fun story. It sounds like it, the way the story ends up looks like they'll probably make more. I gotta, I gotta play it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll hand it. I'll give you, the, give you my disc and give it to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I didn't play any. I'm, I'm a newbie to the, or a ret- I've returned to the video game world this year, just at the end of the year. So, um, in terms of video games, the only ones I have played have been Spider Man which was a 2018 release. I think so. And Overcooked, which I 
absolutely love. <laughs> you guys are obsessed with that one. I love both of those games. I, I like Spider-Man a lot. Spider-Man's great. But Overcooked is a great, uh, you know, two to four player game. And you could play some, you know, through it, like co-op and then also against each other or against others. Uh, just super fun. And um, I think any practically anyone can get into it. And the um, barrier for entry is not, not super high either. So if you're trying to get someone involved that's never played before or doesn't really play video games, it's a fun little game to play. Cool. Um, I mentioned Mike Birbiglia's yeah, comedy, comedy special, special. earlier. Um, a couple more that I really liked that came out this year were Aziz Ansari's special called Right Now and a comedian called Nate Bargatze had a special called The Tennessee Kid that was absolutely hilarious. I had never seen anything from that dude and the way his like kind of deadpan delivery is hilarious. So um, a couple more comedy specials that are definitely worth checking out. And I started reading right here at the end of the year. Uh, I read the first issue of Ascension, yeah, the first volume that follows up, uh, or not Ascension, Ascender, <laughs> yeah, uh, which follows up the the series Descender, which we reviewed or on an earlier episode. And it's solid. I'm I'm excited to read more. That was my favorite uh, comic book series I read this year. <laughs> favorite and only, baby. <laughs> we'll get you on I, the saga I wanna, next. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to next. Yeah, saga's great. Quick recap of our top five movies, perhaps. Perhaps. Movies? TV shows. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> I want to talk about movies now. I've been preparing so much for the movie. I did exponentially more preparation for the movies than anything else. I've been preparing for months. <laughs> I'm scared of how long that's going to be. No, it won't be that long. All right. <laughs> Remind me your top five TV shows. I got uh, Catastrophe tied with Undone at number five. Number four, I have Barry. Number three, I have Fleabag. Number two, I have Chernobyl. And number one goes to Watchmen. Nice. For me, number five is Hulu's Rami. Number four, HBO's Chernobyl. Number three, Netflix's Glow. Number two is Amazon? Primes? Fleabag. (laughs) (laughs) And number one is HBO's Watchmen. We're kind of in between voicemail services, but Mm -hmm. hopefully we can get, I can get that figured out soon. And if, if I do, we'll put out the call for listeners to chime in with their favorite television of Mm -hmm. last year. How about that? Sounds great. That sounds great. And let's watch some of those uh, blind spots and get back to them later. For sure. Some great TVs coming out this year as well. Oh, did we talk about that? I mean, there's just a bunch. There's we'll hit them as they come. We'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll cover it later. Um, all right. Well, then that's all for this bonus episode of Happy Tears. Farewell. Farewell.